Advent watchers, preparers, and rejoicers. Symbols of salvation is the theme for these three midweek Advent services. The first symbol was the burning bush on Mount Horeb, where Moses stood on holy ground as the Malach Yahweh commissioned him to lead his people from slavery to the promised land. The second symbol was the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, where God was present and was worshipped, though the glory, the kavod of the Lord, kept Moses from entering. In the promised land, the tabernacle became the temple, where the curtain was torn was torn at the moment of Christ's death to open up the Holy of Holies, for the way of salvation is now opened. Today the symbol is not an object from nature. It's not a structure for worship. The symbol is a man. His name is Gideon. Now before I say any more, I'm going to encourage you to read all of Judges 6 and Judges 7 later today or sometime yet this week. You'll learn about a meal consumed by fire, about how some Israelites drank from a spring, about a fleece and a dream and trumpets and torches inside clay jars. But we meet Gideon when he's a farmer. He's a humbled and a cautious man. He's threshing wheat, separating the seeds from the stalks of straw. And he's doing this inside the walls of a wine press, not on an open threshing floor. Why? Because of the Midianites. Because Israel has been overcome for seven years by foreign forces from the south. A little geography lesson. Midian is in the eastern side of the Gulf of Aqaba, which is adjacent to that long triangular Sinai Peninsula. The Midians have impoverished the Israelites. They were forced to hide in caves and mountain clefts. Gideon is actually hiding himself and his crop by being inside the wine press, hiding from these harsh invaders. But God is not blind. He sees the suffering of his people. And God knows where to find his next judge, his next deliverer. So the angel of the Lord, that's the Malach Yahweh again, the one we met at the burning bush at Horeb, takes a seat in the shade of a nearby terebinth tree. He watches Gideon. He waits. Then he speaks. The Lord is with you, O mighty warrior, O man of valor. But Gideon scoffs. Really? If the Lord is with us, then why are we occupied by the Midianites? Why am I hiding in a wine vat? Why hasn't the Lord freed us the way he freed our ancestors back in Egypt? The reply of the Malach Yahweh is not a rebuke, because the Lord speaks to Gideon, the Lord who is now the pre-incarnate Christ, taking physical form long before he is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. The Lord says to Gideon, I will save Israel. I will save Israel by using you. Now, Gideon's name means he who breaks down. But Gideon had no idea how God would use him to break down the oppression of the Midianites. He thinks it's going to take a really big army. 
and the other northern tribes are willing and ready to go into battle. It isn't long before 32,000 soldiers are mobilized. But God has other plans. This is too many men, he tells Gideon. Say to the troops, if any of you are afraid to fight, go home, no questions asked. And 22,000 of them leave. Then God says to Gideon, Gideon, it's still too many. Have the soldiers get a drink at the spring. Those who cup their hands to their mouths will stay. All the others will receive an honorable discharge. This leaves a force of only 300. And this takes us back to verse 16 of today's reading from Judges 6. I will be with you, the Lord promises Gideon, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. The story continues in chapter 7, which I encourage you to read later on. It works this way. Gideon deploys the 300 soldiers around the Midianite camp during the night. On their leader's signal, on Gideon's signal, the 300 Israelite soldiers smash the jars, hiding their torches, shout in unison for the Lord and for Gideon, and blow their trumpets. And the army in the camp below panics. They fight, and they actually slaughter each other, and they run away to be caught by the Israelites. The Lord gives victory to his people. Now, what does all this have to do with Advent and with the Christmas festival we celebrate 10 days from today? God chooses and uses the weak. God chooses and uses the ordinary. God chooses and uses the humble. God chose to lift up those who are humble because God chose to be humbled and to act as one man. Mary sings this acclamation in her Magnificat. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And Zechariah sings these prophetic words. We'll sing them in just two minutes. He says, Blessed be the God, Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, that we should be saved from our enemies. He chooses a young woman from Nazareth to be the mother of the promised Savior. He chooses her ordinary carpenter husband to be his guardian. He chooses a cattle barn in forgotten, nondescript Bethlehem to be the maternity ward. He chooses common shepherds to be the first visitors at the manger. God chooses human flesh to be the new Gideon to go into battle for us to defeat strong foes. The newborn Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes is the mighty warrior, for he will go to the cross. There he will break his clay jar, and the light of forgiveness will shine for all people. And on the third day, he will sound the trumpet of victory. Death and the grave will flee in panic. Our enemies are defeated by the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Mighty sin which convicts us, mighty Satan who accuses us, mighty death which holds us captive. They are crushed by the Savior who humbles himself even to the point of death, but who is highly exalted and given the name above every name. So we rejoice. 
We rejoice because even as we might huddle in our wine presses, Emmanuel comes. He comes to be God with us, to be God for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.